Hello everyone, Happy New Year and welcome to 2019 and this episode of Bees Pod. My name is Ian Bottrell and alongside Mem we sat down to record this show in the intervening period between Christmas and the New Year, not knowing as we sat down in the morning that John Steele would be sacked straight away. We put back the recording, sat ourselves down later on in the evening and had a good old chat about what's happened to the Bees this year, where we've been going wrong and hopefully how Darren Curry can take us forwards. As ever, we try and promise that we'll get some more shows done this year. We haven't managed it for the last year or so. It's been very busy for both of us. But we're delighted to be back. We're excited about the future. And hopefully 2019 will be a year for Barnet fans to remember. Enjoy the show and come on, you bees. Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of Bees Pod. Uh, my name's Ian Bottrell, and I'm delighted to be joined after a very long six months uh, by Mem. Uh, Mem, how, you've been, how have you been doing in this, this past sort of long time since we've been recording last? I haven't been to a huge amount of games. Um, I think I, I posted up quite a long post on uh, Barnet Forum, just sort of explaining my malaise with the with the being a, being a Barnet fan at the moment. And yeah, so and so it's interesting that we went on a Boxing Day, and then fi- and then suddenly something happened that was quite interesting. So uh, you know, before we'd even uh, even thought about doing this, you know, we'd already sorted sorted out, sorted this pod out, and then uh, and then John still decided to up the ante. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's exactly. It's as if after six months, there wasn't enough to talk about. I mean, Michael, uh, those of you keen listeners, uh, of which there must be a handful of you now, including my mum, uh, Michael says that I think your return, i.e. our return to activity, has to be the catalyst for today's events. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not as though there wasn't enough to talk about. But obviously, the big news today is that John Steele has decided to step down uh, as manager of Barnet Football Club. Uh, what's your initial reaction to that, Mem? I felt it was inevitable. Um, it was going that way, I think, for 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 a couple of games now. Uh, I made this comment on uh, on the weekend, I think it was, where I said that um, the last home game I went to, I felt like I saw exactly the same performance at Boreham Wood, um, and didn't hadn't seen any. I didn't feel like I'd seen any progression. No sort of no, the team didn't seem to be gelling any better, and so I just felt like we were just sort of had sleepwalking uh to the end of the season so it just looked to me like he had he wasn't able to get the performances he wanted out the players consistently i agree with you man i think that consistency has been a real issue for the club um particularly since the start of the season and i guess generally looking back over the course of the season then did you feel as though it was a, a real disappointment considering the expectations and also the budget that we had before we started off uh back in august um from what i understand we've got one of the best budgets in the league I mean, obviously Salford are out there, but we have one of the best budgets in the league and I wasn't expecting promotion. I wasn't even expecting to go up through the playoffs. But what I did expect expect us to be is hovering in and around the playoffs. And I was expecting to see the buds, um, you know, uh, of something that would would mean that we would have a real good push for the promotion in, in the second season. We are nowhere near that. And looking at the way teams are, like I said, we're sleepwalking. Um, we there is nothing. We will finish the season if we carry on the way we are going at the moment. We will finish the season, you know, with no additional chance of going up next season. Um, so I think that the change now is actually for the better because whoever comes in now will have a real good good run in to basically get to the end of the season and and prepare us uh you know they've got still you know six months to prepare us for a real good go at promotion for next season 
I guess as criticism mounted of, of Steele, one of the sort of cautions against perhaps sacking the manager is looking at other big league clubs that have come down to the conference and struggled in recent years. I mean, you need to look at Chesterfield, who are down in the relegation zone, uh, sides like sort of Stockport, uh, Chester, who have dropped several leagues below us. I mean, do you think that actually, you know, if we hadn't made a change, it, it wouldn't have been a disaster? Or do you feel as though it was actually the right time to act was, was when the club have just uh, done what they've done? No, for the reasons I just gave, I think it's the right decision now. I think the there are certain teams that will come down and they think um, we should throw a little bit, you know, throw a bit of money at the team, or um, they don't really take it seriously or don't really take on board exactly what they're expected um, expecting. And I think that their expect expectation usually is that oh, we'll just go straight back up, and then they have this huge shock in this division, and then and that shock they they struggle to get over it. And I think. The key to it is sometimes when you come down is to assume that you are not going to go straight back up and use it as a chance to rebuild the squad and use it as a chance to ship out and clear out the squad of um, of players that you know that you know that in the long term aren't going to you know aren't going to do do anything for your club, but instead we've got a huge squad. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that the, the squad's perhaps lacking is is real quality uh, in the wings, and actually, if you look at uh, I think a, a, a classic John Steele team, you'd be characterised by almost like a sort of Man United under Ferguson, really. So you'd have, you know, quite quick, aggressive play with physical target men, um, but also real quality from set pieces. And I know he brought in Sparks in theory to provide that, but he hasn't really shone, neither has Alito. Um, but I feel that actually, you know, one of the few bright spots this season has been the quality that we've seen from Jack Taylor and Wes Fongook, um, who between them have, you know, have, have got a reasonable return of goals from midfield and assists. Um, but we do look very, very light in other areas. So I guess, you know, one of the first jobs for the person to come in is going to be to sort of really redress that and, and look at sending quite a few players and moving a few players on. And um, I guess then the, the obvious question, which is on, on everyone's lips, and we'll come to everyone's questions in just a second, is is what next? I mean, where do we go from here? Um, I, you know, we wrote a piece about, or I wrote a piece, sorry, about, you know, this frustration that actually it's been a sort of a lost decade uh, and that we spent 10 years going around in, no, in, in sort of circles. In terms of managerial appointments, club infrastructure, what do you want to see going forwards? I mean, do you, is there a particular name you have in mind? Would you want to see a head coach, a director of football model, uh, or would you rather see a manager uh, sort of come in and take control what, what do you think will be beneficial for us moving forwards I still believe in the director football model because I think the director football will always have the club um at the you know at the heart of their decisions um managers inherently are selfish because they're looking after their own jobs so I think having a head coach that is on the same page as a director of football and this is where I've always seemed to have an issue with the way that that um, that Cleanthos does things because he's now put a, a John Still into a director of football role, which is supposedly for scouting and stuff like that. But ultimately, a director of football needs to be able to work with the coach. And if 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 we're going to get a coach in who's going to make the make use of the capabilities of the of the, cl- the youth players we're bringing through and the players that we've got at the club, it can't be a a long ball manager like like John Still, but for him to get on with John Still, they're going to have to have a similar philosophy. Um, so it kind of feels like the, the director of football and the coach need to come hand in hand, and they need to be on the same page. Um, and I, and I'm unconvinced he seems to be just plonking anybody in the director of football role without any real thought about how that's going to impact the coach. Um, 
Do you know? What? I mean, we've got we've got through a fair, a fair number of, of directors of footballs in recent years. I mean, Mark McGee. Uh, I don't know. Is, do, you, do you know if James is it James Thorne? Is he still at the club or is he is he been shipped on? I think he's an administrator because I think to be honest, I think James Thorne role role wasn't really director of football as bit as in he was involved with head first team affairs. From what I understand, his role was actually more of a um, more of a kind of senior administrative role. So he was more more you know as you know as being a coach as well there's there's things you have to do behind the scenes like getting paperwork sorted out for match days uh player for registration forms um getting clearance for players all these different things it needs somebody to oversee that and so from what i understand that was kind of his role more than it was being a guy that was actively scouting and doing all sorts of um you know the sort of things you expect from director of football in other clubs so that's why him and Mark McGee were together. Yes, that, that that would make sense. I mean, in terms of the the manager role, then on the coach call, whatever it will be, what I mean, obviously Darren Curry has been given the initial chance to take the reins. I mean, do you see that as an interim appointment, or do you think that he's got an opportunity there to make the role his own? Well, from from a purely um, romantic perspective, I'd really like Darren Curry to show us um, that he can. That he can, the, the, the what he had as a footballer, he can recreate as um you know re- within the team and play with a bit of flair and not play this laborious long ball football. Um, and I'm 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 I'm, conf- I'm quite happy to give him that chance to really make a claim for his job because let's be fair, we've tried experience, they failed. We've tried rookies, they failed. We've tried somewhere in the middle, they failed. Um, I just want to see somebody with a bit of vision come in and get this team playing a, a sort of style of football which. Um, gets me off my seat a bit more. Yeah, and I mean, is there anyone in mind? You you know you talk about Curry there. Is anyone else in mind that you think would be able to do that at all? I'm, I'm nothing. Nobody sort of springs to mind in terms of with that remit in terms of getting me off my seat. If you're looking for a pragmatic um guy that is going to be um a good organizer, then you've got the guy up the road at Luke Garrett, um, who we we know is was is a Barnet fan. So and he's been he's he's actually come out in public and now said it that he's a Barnet fan. So there is a, there is a. Do you, do you think he's making overtures towards the job there, or do you think that he's sincere in that? He's been making overtures about the Barnet job for a while now, and I know for that for a fact. So um, you know, so without giving away too much, um, I know that I know for a fact that he's been making overtures. Um, I think the key to it to him is got to be publicly he's got to be respect he's got to be respectful to his club. Um, yeah, but you know, let, let's be fair. Bournemouth had their biggest game ever, you know, like, and it was like eighteen hundred people there. They had they, you know, we had half the ground for for their biggest attendance for a long time. So that's that's the sort of scale he's having to deal with. Whereas Barnet, if we can get a winning team, we can get a lot more bums on seats than we have at the moment. I think it's just the lethargy that's going around the club means, um, you know, and I would imagine, and me and you are probably included in that, where we're just kind of. A bit like if we've got something, we're not killing ourselves to get to the ground at the moment. I mean, let, let, let's start. You know, a lot of people have, have written in. It's, it's, it's been a good day to do a podcast. I mean, a lot of questions here, which we, we're going to address in turn. I mean, one of the questions is actually beyond the manager looking at the role of TK. And um, we wrote about this earlier. Uh, and Dragonfly293 uh, says, I mean, he's given a couple of questions here. One of them is uh, he asks, is, is TK 
the person to take us forward. I mean, we've had 21 managers now in the last decade, uh, all sorts from the experienced to the unpopular to the rookie uh, and back again to Martin Allen and Paul Fairclough. I mean, do you think that there's issues there with, with TK or do you feel that actually, you know, all things being considered, he's the right man to be in charge? Of this I'm going re- to repeat myself. I've said uh, in what I've said in other pods, um, TK is a great businessman and he'll continue to make uh, us uh, keep us within, you know, keep us in the in the uh, in the black but i i really seriously want him to step aside in, from footballing matters and pr- just give get a really good director of football who's going to run the club a really good um administrator who who comes from a football background and is able to make footballing decisions and and tk just step away from it and just allow somebody to um to to do their job i mean there is I keep everything, all the stories that I keep getting from the club and from players, ex-players and stuff, is just the amount of meddling that goes on. Um, I don't know. If, I don't think TK's got any coaching badges and I think his only experience really is in running the club. And yet I get the feeling he's got his, he's, he's constantly putting his finger in, you know, into different areas, you know, just constantly meddling. And I'd like him to just step away and just give the, give a, Director of football job, uh, director of football, just full control of the football in matters of, of the first team, and just step aside, uh, and just let allow them to do their job. I mean, I think the thing about TK is uh, some, you know, as with all things, it, it's gone, it's gone in polar directions. I mean, at the start of his reign, we saw his name being sung, we saw him pumping, you know, up to half a million pounds a year into the club, uh, and him doing a really fantastic job as a sort of energetic young chairman. I think now there's a view among certain parts of the fan base that he's become almost the antichrist and that he's uh, responsible for everything that's going wrong. I mean, there's no doubt that the man really cares about the club. Um, but as you said, it's just a question of whether or not he, he's kind of got the actual skills and the mindset to you know, put himself to use in the best way possible. Um, I mean, another question he comes up with, and this is something that we, you know, we talked very briefly about the squad, is you know, do you think looking at that squad, there's a couple of people in there who were setting a lot of store by people like Dave Tarpey and his name's come up a few times. I mean, do you feel that there's anyone in the squad that, you know, that has has sort of underperformed and is a bit of a hidden gem? I mean, do you think Tarpey's an answer to take us forward or do you feel that, um, you know, he's one that's going to be like, as I said earlier, the, the next Jason Norville? I think that's a bit harsh, <laughs> to be honest. Well, I like I like Jason Norville. He's got a cracking goal against Stockport. I was there. I say a cracking goal. I mean, I think went off his knee. Oh, I... That was, that was the I was, I was there for one of his greatest performances. Um, I really like Jason Orman, but he couldn't get on the pitch. But I don't think that, I don't think it's fair to, to to describe him as that because Tarpey's had one serious injury, which which in the old days would have basically you'd have been retired off years ago, uh, retired off straight away. Um, and he's just coming back from that. And I think the thing with Norville is he had loads and loads of just consecutive injuries, whereas Tarpey's one injury that's causing him, yeah. He's just struggling to get back from. Um, I'm. I think I'm not. Sh- I, I, to be honest, I, I'd rather not think about Tarpey. And unless it sounds bad, because he's not going to save our season, and he's not going to save this team. Because when he comes back, and if he does come back, um, he's going to really struggle to um, get up to speed um, straight away. He's not. He hasn't got the same pedigree as say when last, like last year, when we were hoping we we're waiting for a kindy to come back and. Um, he hasn't got that pedigree. There's no. It's not no guarantee that he'll come back and hit the ground running. Um, so I'd rather not think about. It. I'd rather think about what we have in our books. And I was looking, at, and we are top heavy for strikers in our club. Um, and I'm. I, I just 
trying to think the the mindset of all like we've got currently one two three four eight strikers on our books including one on loan which is Dooku who for some reason can't get in the team now and he he looked fantastic um, when I've seen him play Um, we've got um, who have we got well Shaq I know he's had his problems but to me I I, I thought Shaq was we looked our most dangerous striker on Saturday. Uh, sorry, not Saturday. Um, I keep saying Saturday, but you know what I mean. It's unboxing on Boxing Day, and then he got taken off after sixty minutes. And I just thought, um, I don't understand what the what the thought process is in with the strikers. They seemed no no two strikers seemed to get a chance to gel uh, because it's, he because John Steele was just chopping and changing every game. And I, I'd hope that Darren Curry now looks at it and goes, right, these are my two strikers. You guys are going to get a run of five games to get some sort of partnership going um yeah I mean I think I think there's a couple in there I mean John still has an eye for a player to be fair and I think you know people like Betimer was very good at Braintree Dooku looks looked good since he's come in I mean I think Byron Harrison again he's one of those strikers he's towards the end of his career now he's scored one goal in 15 games I don't know if he's the answer um I mean one of the questions that Steve asks and we'll come to a couple of Steve's questions now is you know do you think that we've actually wasted our budget on players no better than we already had? I mean, do you think of all those strikers that have come in, have they actually been an improvement if Shaq uh, is still our main striker or should be our, you know, our main well, striker? You'd have to say, you'd have to say that it is a bit of a waste of money because if, 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 if all these guys had come in and replaced the next one and then basically had stayed in the team for a while and done all right, um, then you'd say to yourself, well, actually, what he's just done is, as the players have as the players have become available, he's he's try, he's just top, he's you know he's he stepped up the level of the player he had in that position. But the fact that you know like Bessemer comes in, he's well, I don't know what happened to Bessemer now. Um, the fact that Duku came in, played a few games, and then he's lost his place to Byron Harrison again. The fact that Josh Walker came in for a little bit, lost his pla- lost his place. The fact that we sent Barham on loan, and then all of a sudden he's like a substitute on, against Bournemouth. It's it's just literally it's almost like throw as much stuff against the wall and see which sticks. I mean, one of the things that's come out from that and this sort of lack of plan and lack of action uh, has been a, a sort of a more worrying trend that crept in at the uh, well, at the start really of last season and it has really dogged us, which is the the ability we have to concede late goals. And in our previous two away trips, we've conceded uh, on Saturday against Boreham Wood and then against Ebbsfleet in the eighty seventh minute from Danny Cadwell these very late goals. And I was just wondering whether or not you have any thoughts as to why it is the case that we're conceding so many late goals. Because we don't control the ball. It's quite simple. Um, the be- the best teams will control the ball when they when they get in front and they don't drop off and sit back and, and, and try and cling on to what they have. Um, against Bournemouth, actually, I don't think we were trying to cling on. I think we were trying to actually win the game. But oh, we never really seem to control the ball. We never seem to be... Bear in mind, we had three. I think we had three guys um, playing in centre mid. We uh, the ball was being launched over their heads, um, and the ball was coming straight back. And we never seemed to get. We never seemed to just take this thing out of the game by just keep it with a get with a period of possession. And I think that's the big issue is you don't you take the sting out of games when you're in in front or if you're trying to stop. You know, don't want to concede a late goal. And we are giving the ball back far too cheaply to teams to give them give them a chance. And and that's yeah. I think that's something that's certainly the case on Saturday. I mean, the amount of times we lost the ball in key areas. And actually, the nature of the goal on Saturday was, was really, really disappointing as well. Um, I mean, look, we've got to ask it, Mem. And I know I said on Twitter that your, your blood pressure rises every single time we get there. 
so I, I'm I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? No, just no. <laughs> no, I, no elaboration. No, no. Okay, I tell you what. I tell you what my thought process is. is um, that we need to have a longer term plan than just a season at a time. And I'm for, and the problem is, is that if we bring in he will not be named um, in back into the club, um, then all we're doing again is we're putting off the need to have a plan because all that person does is has very short term plans because he doesn't hang around for too long. Um, so, so players come in on salaries, which are probably a little bit of a stretch to what we want to pay. And then typically that person will go and leave us. We have a, for a season, we've got a player on our books who's on, you know, on better money than they, than we need them. We want them to be on. Um, and that person ends up leaving a lot of dross behind. Um, and you've got typically you've we've got such a big squad and if you look at the squad there's lots of remnants of the different managers bringing in players on two-year contracts which didn't work out and but they're still at the club because we can't shift them on so we, we now to, we, we need to do what Luton did and Luton did got Nathan Jones in and had a plan and they backed him um, and they gave him some, uh, you know, and they gave him a budget and they, and, and he's worked out a plan and they're not near the top of the division. They're up to near the top of league one now. Um, and it took him a little while to get there, but, but they've basically, they made incremental improvements every year. Um, and we need to, we need to be, but we need to start planning better long-term. One of the things that's interesting is that, you know, we, we, we're coming up and I watched this a few weeks ago. We're coming up on, uh, or tomorrow even against Dagenham and Redbridge who are a side who have, you know, for a long time, you know, been struggling in the conference. And they, you know, they got the American investment led by Tim Howard, have backed the manager and are now on an excellent run of form and, you know, firm favourites in tomorrow's clash. And it just goes to show the value of patience in, in, in getting the right guy in, in this case, Peter Taylor, uh, giving him some time and backing him. I mean, do you feel that, you know, Darren Curry is that man to, to, to back or do you feel that you actually want someone a little bit more experienced, like a Garrett? to take it on because I guess that decision's got to be made quite soon if we're to you know try and at least make some progress next season it's a difficult one because because um I've I've spoken to a few people that I know that I know in football and they and, and they'll work as an assistant and they don't they it just because they are assistant doesn't mean they have the same um the same mindset as the manager that they're working for so we could find that that Darren Curry actually t- takes the bits off John Still that he likes but also puts his own stamp and he could show in the next few games that actually there's something there there's something there to allow him t- to the end of the season so I would like to see Darren given every opportunity to to get that job because I because I want somebody with Barnet in, in their heart to 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 you know to take us forward and I want somebody who's got an appreciation of um entertainment um and I think that Darren's Darren's that man, and I th- I get the feeling as well from just little things that I've heard from other people that that there are things that John still did that he wouldn't do, and so maybe the little tweaks that he makes might make the difference. So yeah, and then maybe next year if it doesn't work out in the summer, we go in for Luke Garrett and give him the whole summer. And I guess finally then, man, I mean we're you know we're once again it's it's Groundhog Day. We're here again um, with you know coming into the new year with a change of manager. Uh, and and this time, you know, a league below, but similar problems plaguing us. 
what what would you want to see perhaps in the next month or so that would convince you that Darren Curry is the right man? I mean, is it's not just a question of results, I'd imagine, but what what sort of if you would say right, you know, here's your remit, here are three things I want you to achieve to prove that you're ready to date this job on. What would they be for Darren Curry? Clear identity of of how we're going to play. I want I want to see um I want I want to see a, a, a faster um movement of the ball. Um, and I want to see um, him having a clearer idea of the actual lineup of of what he who he wants to play, and none of this chopping and changing. And so, if he if he, if he has the chance of doing that, then you know, hopefully, we'd be in a better position than we are right now. Um, well, man, once again, it's been a very um, <laughs> exciting and dynamic few days, um, and I guess. You know, are you planning on going to any any games over the, over the course of the next few weeks, or are you pretty tied up? Um, I'm going to try. I've got this couple of games I've got pencil in my diary, which I'm hoping to get to. So, um, I, I'm yeah, fingers crossed that I should get get to a couple of games at least in the next month. Well, I'll be there at the boxing. Uh, sorry, at the New Year's Day clash or reverse against Boreham Wit, uh, which hopefully won't be as bad as uh, round one. Um, but until then, Mem, I guess we, we keep our eyes peeled and uh, we'll let the club know next time we're doing our podcast, they can schedule some more groundbreaking news, whether it be the resignation of TK or uh, whatever it is they want to be. But um, it's been quite the 24 hours here at the club um, and hopefully uh, this will be the start of a new upward direction. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Ladies and gents, that's a wrap for our first show of 2019. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope to be back on the airwaves soon, as we said at the start of the show. As ever, if you've got any thoughts, comments or questions, send them our way uh, on Twitter. You know where to find us, at BeastPod, or let us know through SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks very much for listening. Have a lovely new year and hopefully speak to you soon. Goodbye. You're listening to CC Minster.